TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. All right, welcome into the Score North Twin Show. It's Thursday edition. It is uh, Judd Zolgad, Jake DePue, all things twins as the playoffs get closer. And uh, Jake, we saw the twins beat Detroit again on Wednesday. Now they're off on Thursday, which is the day, obviously, as I just said, that, they, that we are recording this. They're going to close out the season, the regular season portion of the schedule, uh, with a three-game series against the Reds. I don't know if I, Jake, like 16 uh, playoff teams total on a yearly basis, but I've decided in the year of the pandemic, embrace the bizarre and fun, right? And the next three or four days are going to, baseball-wise, be absolutely bizarre and and fun. So the Twins going into tonight, so the Thursday night game, and by the way, the White Sox who have been walked off the last two nights by Cleveland or at Cleveland again. So going into tonight, as we record this, The White Sox are a half game behind the Twins in the American League Central, but they have the tiebreaker, so it still favors them because of the extra game four now, especially. Uh, Then the White Sox, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. While the Twins are playing the Reds at home, the White Sox will play the Cubs. And then the fly in the ointment to me is two and a half games out of first going into into tonight is Cleveland, which has suddenly gotten hot. And they have three games against the hapless, hopeless, and cashed-out Pittsburgh Pirates. Put it in a context for me, Jake DePew, how you feel about the Twins' chances. And talk to me about tiebreakers and all that good stuff going into the final weekend of the regular season with the playoffs starting on Tuesday for the Twins. So there's a ton to dive into with this. and I'm so confused right now. Uh, yeah. And let me just say, this has been, I agree with you completely. This has been so much fun and so much more fun than I thought it would be. Like having 16 teams, I, I, I like it actually. I think they should redo the format to give, to, re, to give more of an incentive to winning the division, giving buys, things like that. But like having all these teams involved, it's really fun. Like you're breaking down the standings and the tiebreakers every night. Like so many games matter, uh, not just for the team that you follow, but just around the league. Uh, I've I've had more fun following this stretch run than I have in, in a long time. And I never thought that would be the case at the beginning of the season. Um, so I, I really, they need to tweak it a little bit, but I'm in favor of keeping expanded playoffs. I love this stuff. Um, yeah. So let's, so let's break down where the twins are at. All right. So you, you just said they have that half game lead. Here's a really weird stat that I want to start you off with. And this is something that, that Jason Stark would absolutely love. So I figured this out last night as I was, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge baseball nerd. And I was just breaking down the standings and the tiebreakers. So the Twins' magic number to get home field over the Yankees right now on Thursday afternoon is one. In other words, if the Yankees lose tonight to the Blue Jays, the Twins will clinch home field over the Yankees if they, if they end up playing them. But here's where it gets really weird. If the Yankees win that game against the Blue Jays on Thursday night, the magic number actually goes up to two, which you might say, like, how's that possible, right? How can a magic number go up? The Twins would win the tiebreaker uh, with the Yankees if the Yankees lose tonight because it go- the first tiebreaker is divisional record, mm-hmm. which, would, which would be the same if the Yankees lose tonight. The Twins and, and Yankees would have the same record within their division. So it then goes to the second tiebreaker, which is your record in division games within the last 20 division games that you played. 
So, I know this is confusing, but if the Yankees lose tonight, the Twins would win that tiebreaker, that second tiebreaker, and so they would clinch home field. If the Yankees win tonight, uh, the Yankees would end up having a a better division record, so it reverts back to the first tiebreaker, and so the Yankees would then win the tiebreaker. I know that's confusing. You don't need to know all of it. All you really need to know is that if the Yankees lose tonight, the Twins clinch home field. If the Yankees win tonight, the magic number goes up from one to two. Super weird, but really fascinating for a baseball nerd like me. Um, All right, as far as the division. So they have that half-game lead, but they don't control their own destiny, which is also weird, right? Because the White Sox have more games to play. If the White Sox lose tonight to Cleveland, the Twins will control their own destiny which is a phrase that doesn't, has never made any sense to me. You can't control your own destiny, but that's for a separate discussion. Um, fate? Yeah, fate, sure, I guess. Yeah, that, that could work. Um, so the Twins, if, if the White Sox lose, the Twins will be one up uh, on the White Sox and two up on Cleveland. If the White Sox win tonight, they'll be tied, but the White Sox have the tiebreaker. If the three teams finish in a three-way tie, which is unlikely but possible, the Twins would win the division. So, you know... It's looking really good for home field. Uh, and the Twins have, what, a 50, slightly higher than 50% shot of, of, of winning the division. Um, mm-hmm. This is great fun. I'm having so much fun. I love this This is football-like, stuff. Jake. Oh, and when I, I used to be so into football. Like it's points for, points against. It, it's that sort yeah. of football-y. What's the, what's the fourth tiebreaker yes. that's possibly going to send the Vikings to San Francisco as opposed to New Orleans or something? That's what this is like, which is confusing as hell, but it is great fun. That's the that's the I agree. I, get, I used to get embrace so into the that. weirness, man. Oh, you yeah. know what? Embrace the weirdness. Embrace embrace a runner on second to start the tenth. Embrace the, yeah. the fact that double dips are seven innings apiece. Like for this year, I'm willing to put up with, and it's fun to watch sports. So I'm willing to put up with whatever wacky, weird. But this playoff thing, I I don't I think 16 teams for my taste is probably too it's much for baseball. It, uh, it's too much ordinarily, but for this year, it's 60 games. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun, and it's crazy. Now, who do you – so, so, okay, so the Twins beat Detroit last night. Um, the White Sox get walked off on the Luplo home run by the Indians in the bottom of the ninth in Cleveland. Um, so as soon as the Twins win, they actually went into the into first place in the American League Central, and they went into the two seed at that moment, which pitted them against Cleveland. Now, I, I got home and watched the end of the – Dodgers A's game the A's won so the A's then catapulted the twins into the two seed in the American League knocking the twins down to the three seed but into what I consider to be the most favorable matchup possible right now again this depending on when you listen to this podcast I apologize if it's completely changed Uh, but as of right now the twins then went down to the third seed but locked in at that point to the Astros which I love my rankings of who I would want in that first round to me are pretty clear. Houston one. I love that one. I would want Cleveland two, despite the pitching and the Yankees three, which doesn't mean to be clear that I don't want the Yankees at all, but I would much prefer to get the Yankees in the bubble where I get into their pitching depth, which starting wise, they don't, they don't have it, which we've discussed previously on this podcast. Um, Cleveland has pitching, but let me let me throw this at you right now, especially at Target Field, Jake DePio. Bieber, Maeda. Maeda this year, three starts against Cleveland, 3-0, and 
0.50 ERA. I don't think it's a slam dunk that in game one, Bieber beat you, and Cleveland's bats remain fairly anemic. Uh, so I'm putting, as far as that short series, I'm actually putting Cleveland second and the Yankees third for the first round, which is the weird best of three. So this is a super exciting question, and I want to answer it in a second. But I have to bring up with this tiebreaker thing. Do yeah. you remember there was a year where the, the Packers had to get in the playoffs? It, was, it went to like the eighth tiebreaker, which was points scored. And they had to score uh-huh. like 50 points in that game to, to qualify for the playoffs. So they were running like a no-huddle offense for the I don't, but game. I love it. I don't oh, remember it, but I love it. I love that. I love that. That's, that's what I love most. Like, I, I, I'm not a big NFL guy anymore, but that's what I used to just love about the NFL is all those tiebreakers. All right. Anyways, sorry. I just no, had to bring that up because no I flashed it in my, my brain and I wanted to talk about it. But um, all right, here are my rankings. Houston is for sure number one. They are going to be, assuming they don't completely collapse and the Angels make it, because uh, that's the only other team that really can catch them. Uh, Houston is going to be the worst team that qualifies for the playoffs, which is part of my problem with how they're doing the playoffs. Like, Houston should then be the eighth seed, not the sixth seed. But they're going to be the sixth, barring a huge meltdown. They don't have Verlander. Uh, they obviously don't have Garrett Cole anymore. Their pitching is, is decent. It's, it's okay. They're hitting... I looked at the baseball reference page for Houston this morning when I because you know the Twins are now matched up against them. Oh my god! So if you want to make an argument that the trash can banging had a big effect, look at Houston's stats this year. So uh, uh, Altuve, uh, all right, I'm I'm just gonna pull it up because it's unbelievable and it's a, it's a tiny sample size, but still Altuve, Jose Altuve, two fifteen average, two eighty on base. 311 slugging. Yeah. 311. Uh, Alex Bregman, 409 slugging. Josh Reddick, 360 slugging. Like, you can go on and on. I mean, man, it's pretty damning evidence. So, they're not a good team. I mean, they're just, they're just not a good team. Um, so, I would love to face Houston if I'm the Twins in the first round at Target Field. I would give the, the Twins a big advantage there. They're number one. Uh, number two for me is the White Sox. So you oh, didn't mention I, the White Sox. But, I didn't mention the White Sox. Okay. But they, could, they could fall to the seven. It's, it's unlikely, but it's possible. If sure. the three teams finish in a three-way tie, the White Sox would be the seven, I believe. Um, so I would want to face the White Sox next because I think the Twins match up well against them. Um, even though that, you know, they, they played Cleveland better, I just Shane, Shane Bieber scares me. You know, mm-hmm. he scares me. Um, but you're right. To your point, they could beat Bieber because they've done it before um you know so I, I don't think that's a guaranteed loss but I just you know if I can avoid Shane Bieber in, in a best of three I want to so I put Cleveland third uh and then the Yankees are still fourth and I know the Yankees have flaws I get it they haven't looked good the last you know the series against Toronto that lineup to me is still terrifying Garrett Cole is terrifying the history is terrifying I don't I don't want anything to do well with here's here's my, my thing especially on uh Cleveland and Houston you get them a target field, they are not going to do much offensively. They're just not. And I think that's a big deal. And, yes, Cleveland can pitch. But you know what? The, the Twins fared the last time that they faced Plezak pretty damn well. And so Cleveland and Houston, just from an, a bat standpoint, do not scare me. And my thing with the Twins is, do, do the Twins have, like, a true shutdown ace? They don't, okay? But Maeda's been fantastic. and 
hats off. That trade has turned out to be absolutely great. And the first three pitchers that the Twins are going to throw at opposing teams if the series goes to the maximum three games, right? Maeda, Barrios, Pineda, I think give you a very good chance. And Cleveland, I mean, if you face Cleveland at target field, I think Cleveland against those three pitchers, assuming they pitch well so that they don't, you know, completely crap out, but assuming that they pitch like they're capable of pitching, I think Cleveland probably gets about three runs a game, if that. Like, their, their outfield can't hit. Their offense is awful. It, it is non-existent. So if Bieber goes out there and shoves, yeah, it might be a problem. But you could very much uh, a good Maeda-Bieber matchup in game one. Like, let's say it's just a great duel. That could very easily be a 3-2 win, 2-1 win. And so, so the Yankees are the one team offensively that I, that I say I want no part of them in in Yankee Stadium because they scare me there because of the short porch. But if you get them at target field, I don't think that the Yankees are going to offensively necessarily torch you, but they've got a chance to. Starting with Cleveland and Houston, they simply, unless something changes dramatically and they find trash cans or steroids, they just don't have a chance to <laughs> to torch you. Like they could score some runs, but yeah. I don't but I don't see a way where either of those teams comes into target field and suddenly let's say averages six runs per game. I just don't see it. I don't either. I think it would have to, be, it would have to be luck. You know, they would have to get a bunch of blue pits or something like that. I've actually looked at the weather. So if you look at the weather report for Minneapolis for that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's like mid fifties. Um, and so that's going to depress offense as well in New York, by the way, it's going to be like upper sixties and sunny. I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't Not like good. that at Not all. Good. So, that's- if you put the Yankees, even the Yankees, if you put them at target field with that big right center field wall where they can't just, you know, dink it over the porch um, for, for a home run to right, uh, and the weather's in the 50s, and those would be night games because it's the Yankees and they'll want to night games in prime time. So the temperature's really going to be in, like, the upper 40s. I, I think that matchup would be more favorable for the Twins, but I still just, if I can avoid the Yankees and, and, and Garrett Cole, I, I want to do it. But biggest key to me of all this is avoiding the Yankees in New York. That is the one matchup where I would say the twins are really, really um, outnumbered or they're just, you know, their chances of winning are are pretty low. I think if you can avoid that uh, you're in good shape, but, but yeah, with Cleveland and Houston, it would take a a lot of, a lot of bad luck, which (laughs) this is the twins in the playoffs. So, you know, it's possible, but uh I really like I really like the Twins' uh, chances in, in either of those series at Target Field. Your thoughts on the uh, potential starting rotation of in those first three games: Maeda, Barrios, Pineda, which leaves Rich Hill. Here's the interesting question, Jake DePew. I want your thoughts on who the Twins are going to throw out there, but I also want your thoughts on does Rich Hill belong on the playoff roster for the first round if he is not going to start for sure? So here's what's weird to me, Judd. Rich Hill is lined up. They've already announced him as starting Sunday, which I'm not sure he's going to do. Yeah, like I'm not like this is the Twins. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if on Saturday at some point they say, um, d- depending on depending on the importance of that game too, I guess. But I'm not going to be shocked if they decide to go bullpen game or Homer Bailey or something different. Uh, but I but I also think that this very much depends on are you playing going into that game for seeding. Yeah. Because it's important. It is. It is. Yeah. So, 
you're right. I think if the game doesn't really matter, Rich Hill probably won't pitch, or maybe he only pitches an inning or two. Um, all right, so as far as the rotation, I'm still all aboard this idea, depending on who you play, but if you face either Cole or Bieber in round one, I still like this plan that we've been talking about of saving Maeda for game two um, and taking your chances with Barrios in game one against their ace. And it, it, it's because of this whole idea of, um, you know, if you feel like you're at a mismatch, if you feel like you're, you're not likely to beat Bieber or Cole because they're just such great pitchers, then you don't want to burn your best starter in game one. Save him for game two because these guys aren't coming back later in the series. So, the, so game one versus game two, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, right? Like, they're not coming back later in the series. So, like, I would rather have Maeda against an inferior pitcher and give myself a really good chance of winning game two and getting that split um, than risk losing to Cole and Bieber. And then you've, you've – the whole season is now riding on Jose Barrios. And, you know, he doesn't always react great to pressure. Um, right. So, I don't – they're, they're not, not going to. They're not no, going exactly. So, so right. what's the point in even talking about it? But – um, so I guess I'm fine with it. You know, I'm, I mean, obviously Maeda has been your best pitcher, uh, and you have to throw Barrios game too, but I think I, I want Rich Hill pitching in that series in some capacity. I really do only for an inning or two, but I, I love this idea of Rich Hill opener. Maybe he opens for Barrios, uh, or maybe you save him for game three and he opens for Pineda, but that's doing that either. I know, but that's the way that you would get, you could get him up at nine. But, but if he's not going to, do you, do you, leave him off the roster until you get to the division series, assuming that you get there. No, he's too good a pitcher. Okay. He's too good a pitcher. I mean, you can't leave out. He's one of their best six or seven arms. I don't think you can leave him entirely off the roster. I know that bringing him in as a bullpen role is tough, and you'd have to get him up in, like, the second to appear in, like, the sixth. Um, but he's too good. You know, he, when he's on, he can get strikeouts. He has playoff experience. He's going to be on the roster for me. Um, but yeah, man, I don't understand why they don't explore him as an opener because then you can he can do his normal routine because it's going to take him forever to get loose. So like, open him, you know, pitch him two innings, uh, and then bring him a starter. But it doesn't matter. You, like you said, they're not going to do it, so we don't need to talk about it. But he's on the roster. He's on the roster. So t- Twins in the bullpen right now go nine deep. Okay, Alcala, Clippard, Duffy, May, Rogers, Romo, Stashik, Theobar, Whistler. Um, if you put Hill in the bullpen, what's your, what's your corresponding move to the other nine pitchers who are currently in the bullpen? Well, there doesn't need to necessarily be a corresponding. All right. I, I, I should say corresponding thought process as to who Hill takes the place of probably. So, yeah. so not on the roster, but it's just as far as Rich Hill is going to pitch here instead of. Probably instead of field bar. Um, yeah. I like Fieldbar. He's a great story. He's pitched well this year. But, like, do you want – it's not a knock against Caleb Fieldbar because he's been good. But do you want him pitching in the fifth or sixth inning of a close game in the playoffs? Like, I don't. I would trust Rich Hill in that spot who's also a lefty. Right, because you bring in Fieldbar yeah. when, when the matchups are right. Like, if, yeah. there, if there are a bunch of lefties, like if Lindor is coming up or, what, you know, uh, and Jose, I know Jose Ramirez is a switch hitter, but Carlos Santos. Well, Santana is too, but you get the idea, right? The matchups are right. You bring in field bar against lefties. I'd rather have Rich Hill in that spot. I also, Jorge Alcala is a great prospect. And he, when he's on, man, he looks great. And I know he's Mackey's guy. Um, and, and I like him. Uh, I'd put him on the roster, but I don't, I, 
he doesn't know where it's going all the time. I don't know that I trust him in the playoffs. I love his stuff, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah, but here, here's my problem, too. Rodgers. I mean, he just continues to look completely lost. Yeah. I, I think he's just – I think that they're – I think that there might be solvable problems here, but I don't think they're solvable till 2021. Like, I think it's going to take an, uh, a wintertime of reflection and refinement there. Um, he's on my roster for the playoffs for sure, but what his role is, I'm not quite sure. And that one scares me. And by the way, so if it is, if it's game one and I'm up two to one after, let's say six or something like that, and, and I don't know, like, I, I would like to say, well, if Maeda's pitching well, I can definitively tell you that Rocco wouldn't go to the bullpen until the eighth or something, but I don't know that for sure. I am going to be so curious in game one to see what Rocco does as far as the bullpen goes, because to backtrack to the conversation that we've had a lot before, Jake, the bullpen management in game one at Yankee Stadium last year was so poor that I, I'm really curious. And and like, does he... so so. In some ways, Baldelli does some really smart things, and I like them. And, and it's, you know, driven by, by different thinking, and I think w- we can all get on board with it. Um, but I guess I've got a question. Is R- Rodgers, with the way he's pitched, is he going to be used according to that, or are they still going to fall back on their old ways with him? Because I can't tell you right now that I'm sure that they would say, well, he's been really struggling, so we can't do this. In some ways, the Twins have done things where I've been like, really, that's, that's your choice? And so until they get past that, that hump, like I can't assure you that Rodgers won't be used in a way that could potentially blow up in their face. Um, I'd be disappointed if they did, but I also can't tell you I'd be completely shocked if they did. Yeah, and I think that's one of the weaknesses that we've talked about with Rocco, as good as he is. I think sometimes he um, goes a little too far in wanting to show his players that he's confident in them and he believes in them rather than actually, you know, using the, the players that are most appropriate for, this, for the game situation. Like, Taylor Rogers was great the last two years, uh, and I know he's had some bad luck, but we've got to be honest here. I mean, he's been bad this year. There's just no I – mean, he, has, he hasn't been good, and they continue to, to use him in these really high-leverage spots. And I'm with you. I, I, I don't think they should. I, I would still use him, but probably right. earlier in the game. Um, I, but I – I don't think they will. I think they'll keep him in that same really high leverage spot. I, I, and that is, that's a weakness. It's a weakness of, of their thinking. Um, and, and we've, we've seen it with, with other pitchers and with other position players. And it's the same idea as, you know, never pulling Rosario when he makes these, these, you know, mistakes and, and things like that. But l- let me ask you something. Give me your, your bullpen uh, level of trust. So, so, so rank maybe the top five or six bullpen arms in terms of, how much you trust them in the highest leverage spots. So, so your number one is the guy that you bring in with absolutely, you know, the game's on the line, the bases are loaded, et cetera. Give, give me your top five or six. This is difficult because th- this guy has not pitched as well as I would like of late, but I still trust him, Tyler Duffy. Now, am I going to tell you that I think he's completely shut down as far as his ability to shove right now? No, I don't. Like there have been signs of, there have been weird signs of wear and tear that I don't necessarily completely get. I mean, it's, it's a shortened 60 game season. I don't think that in any way has he been abused arm wise. Uh, But there are times in the last few weeks, and we've certainly texted about this during his outings where I, where I think we both get a little bit concerned about how he looks and the, uh, 
the uh, velocity that he does or does not have, but I'm still going to put him one, okay? Because I still think he's got the stuff to come in and strike out, guys. And and I also do. I also don't think that there is a power arm here who I can absolutely say this is the guy, and that's the end of the story. Uh, Duffy is in my list, okay? I, I'm looking at the nine right now. Also in my list, Tyler Clippard, who I Number like. Two? Who I, I like. No, I'm just I'm just going to, to give you five. Oh, you're I'm not just saying Yeah. Okay. Well, right. if I was to rank them, yeah, if right I was right. to if if I was to rank them, this yeah. is oh, that's incredibly tough then. Duffy is still one. I I think it might be situational, my good man. I I mean I'd pitch Whistler, but he can't be my two. I'd pitch Clipper, but he can't be my two. You know that Sergio's going to pitch for sure, but do I consider him a two? No. I, I, have, I would have to see the situation, who's coming up, what I'm stuck with. Um, Duffy's my, Duffy is my one, but after that, Jake, I'd, I'm grasping at straws to just arbitrarily draw you up a, a list of five guys I, I completely trust right now. And look, 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 this probably goes beyond a Twins thing. So it's not like, well, the Twins bullpen stinks and everyone else is, is good. I'm sure this is a baseball-wide dilemma and conversation. But if you're going to ask me to rank them definitively, I don't know that, that I have a just a clear cut, too. Yeah, and it's it's not a fair question because, like you said, it, it is all situational and matchup. Who's your two? Like, I mean, well, all right. Clifford so, could be in the right circumstance. But yeah, so so – so independent of matchup, which again, you know, that's not fair, but independent match, just trust factor. Duffy's one for me, um, even with the velo concerns. Yeah, I agree. With I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pitch him much this weekend. I really, I mean, like if the game's on the line, maybe, but I, he needs to be rested. Um, okay. Number two for me right now, in terms of just feeling comfortable when they come in the game, I gotta be honest, it's Matt Whistler, <laughs> and I, I know, know, and that scares me too. Right, and I know he didn't pitch well last night, and, and Clifford got him out of a big jam, but he has been so good. I mean, his numbers are, are incredibly good. He has a high walk rate, but he's striking out a ton of hitters. Here's, here's where I trust Clifford more than Whistler. In, in, if I don't know what the matchup is going to be, is the circumstance of the postseason. Yeah. I think Whistler has a chance to I, – I do not know what he's going to do. I don't know how he is pressure-wise. And the pressure's up. And look. This is the problem with, like, Detroit. And I know that Detroit has played the Twins incredibly tough. But deep in their hearts, they stink. And so they're the Tigers. So, that you know, the Twins get these wins against the Tigers. And you're like, okay, they finally beat the Tigers. That's great. But they still stink. And I keep just projecting in my mind that, no, Houston's not great. But anybody that you play starting next Tuesday is probably going to be far more competitive and if they have competitive at bats and they look competent, you know, do I trust Whistler in any? Yeah, I'm just. It makes me nervous. I'll well, put it that way. You don't know. You don't. He's never. I don't right. think he's ever pitched in the playoffs. So you just don't know how he's going to react. But correct. But in terms of his regular season performance, I mean, when he comes in the game, like I, I feel pretty confident that it's going to be a, yeah. a shutdown inning. And again, I know last night wasn't, but overall, he's been fantastic. Um, Man, after that, it's like actually, actually, do do you know what's the most disappointing name that we have not said so far? Because we should have said his name by now, Trevor Trevor May. May. Yeah, that's really disappointing. Yeah, yeah, and you're not wrong on that. It it is. I mean, you know, May has incredible stuff. His numbers are are pretty good. 
it's just I worry with him a little bit about um, – I think he is a, a really smart guy, and when you talk to him, you realize how smart he is because you ask him a question, and he talks for like 10 minutes, and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, this, this guy's incredible talking baseball. Mm-hmm. But there's a downside to that, and it's that I think he sometimes overthinks things, and I think he gets in his own head. This is pure speculation. I have no idea if this is accurate, but just based on my observations, it seems like he's some, he gets flustered, and he gets in his own head a little bit, um, and I think pitch selection at times is an issue for him. It definitely was last year. So I love the velo. Um, I, 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 I definitely pitch him. The home run rate is really high. So he has given up, I'm looking right now, he's given up five home runs in 21 and a third innings. That 2.1 home run rate, that's huge. And that was an issue for him last year too. So, so I, I worry about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, he, you have to pitch him because you, all these guys have, have flaws, have things that you can bring up where it's like, Absolutely. Well, you, know, you have to pitch May. I'll tell you the guy who really scares me. And you have to pitch this guy, and you mentioned him, but Romo scares me because um, I, yeah. I think he was pitching exceedingly well at the beginning of the year. And I don't know if all that chirping got to him or if he's just wearing down because he's an older guy. Um, but when he comes in the game now, I'm sort of holding my breath a little bit. Uh, and I, I, you know, he has playoff experience. I mean, he's closed out World Series, so it's like, and you have to pitch the guy, but but he concerns me. He really does. Okay, so here here are two guys, and he is one of them that concern me based on this. Rocco seems to draw a really good line on player usage for the most part, except for a few guys, and I don't get why, and and I think it's because they're veteran guys, and and the second guy that I'm going to bring up is a position player and I get why they feel the need to use him, but it's been blatantly unfair to him. Romo and Marwin have been blatantly unfairly used and, and, and there's this reliance on, well, they can just play. I mean, Marwin Gonzalez, that poor, that poor man, he's like my age and he's so tuckered out by now and he can't run and he's had a miserable year. And look, he is a professional. He's a pro's pro. So he's going to go out and, and work his ass off. Okay. So this is no admonishment of his abilities. He's trying really hard. And I think he is a pro. I think he gets, I think he gets what's necessary to be prepared to play. All of that being said, Jake, my God, I mean, if anybody needs some time off, it's him. And yet he is the guy plugged in for everybody who can't play, right? You know, Kepler can't play. Marwin will play right. Arise out. Okay, Marwin will play second. Donaldson's out now. Marwin will be our everyday third baseman. And and it's those two guys that you would almost like to get to Rocco to and say, hey, dude, look, rest and recovery translates to everybody, right? Um, and it, so... My concern on both of them is what you said on Sergio, which is Sergio used correctly, I think, is not great, but he's certainly okay. He's fine, probably. Um, I just fear he's going to be brought into a game against a pretty damn good team at the exact wrong time because, hey, it's Sergio, and something's going to go wrong. And to your point about Marwin, this is this is, and I'm I'm an advanced I'm an analytics guy, but this is one area where I think WAR doesn't really capture a player's value because Marwin has been indispensable. The Twins would not be in first place in this division without Marwin. His numbers are bad. I mean, they're bad. He he has a three seventeen slugging percentage. His OPS is six hundred. Uh, he's a zero WAR player on Baseball Reference, but but without Marwin, 
they're in a really tough spot because he fills in for all of these guys, you know, whether it's a rise or Polanco or the outfielders who are always, you know, there's always some outfielder injured. Like those guys matter, man. And, and advanced stats don't always capture that. Um, I don't think Marwin is playing in the playoffs if a rise is healthy, you know, I mean, if, if, if a rise can come back and play these three games against the reds, you have to start him at second and probably bat him ninth. Um, so I don't think Marwin's playing. I, you know, he'll get into some of these games maybe, but I, I wouldn't start him because you're right. He has been overused. Um, and, and he had those two days where he got sick in Chicago right after he went on a hot streak, unfortunately. And I wonder if that was just exhaustion, you know, it, it might've been because he's played every day. Um, but can we, can we, I don't want to change the subject, but can we talk about Nelson Cruz? Because everybody seems to just be ignoring the fact that Nelson Cruz hasn't played. Uh, not score north.com, baby. Not score not north. Score north.com. Wrote about it last north. night. I not score him. north. Not yes. score north. Score north is very. Score north is concerned when when an old man has a knee or hamstring or combination of both, which it might be. Yes, there there is a, until until Cruz gets back out there and looks fine. You should be concerned. No question about it. You should be concerned because. If we get to Tuesday and he can't play or or is not himself, we got if you're the twins, major problems. Major problems. I mean, he's he's he ain't playing Detroit on Tuesday night. Right. I mean, he, you know, he's it's not even close. He's by far their best offensive player and like he hasn't played in a week and we're all just sort of like, "Ah, oh, yeah, he'll be ready. He's handing out robes. He's laughing in the dugout." Yeah. Like I, this is a problem, man. I mean, they wanted to get him at bats against Detroit. Surely, you know, they would have put him in there if he, if he could have played. And so he obviously was unavailable. I mean, I know they said he could pinch hit, uh, but Rocco said he didn't want him running the bases. So, like, this is, this is an issue. And, you know, here's the thing. If the Twins actually make a, a, a run, there's, you know, this might flare up again at some point, right? Like, they might bring him back and he might Hell have Oh, yeah. And look at the schedule. Right. There's no, no days off built in here. Exactly. Until the World Series. Exactly. You're exactly right. No, no, no. This is a major, this could become, it's not yet. This could become a major problem and concern because if Nelson Cruz main role starting the playoffs is to dispense the damn robe, which I do like it and think it's funny, but if that becomes his main thing, you've got a huge problem and, and you have to hope that the twins are simply concerned enough to say he's going to sit, but until he's, in the lineup at some point, either over the next coming three days against the Reds or on Tuesday, and he looks fine. And I get it. He doesn't have to run full speed. I don't care about that. Um, but as far as health goes, yeah, that's huge. To me, the things that are, are huge health-wise are Cruz, Donaldson, who, who I was very concerned about a couple of nights ago when he basically um, made that almost unbelievable play at third base and then sort of grimaced. And I thought, Oh my God, it's the calf again. And in the ninth inning of that game, which uh, turned out to be a 10 inning win for the twins, he basically hopped down to first base after hitting a ball to shortstop on a double play ball. That concerned me too. But yeah, I mean, health now becomes the priority here. And if the twins are going to rest guys at, and it's going to cost them seating wise or potentially I should say, cost them seating wise, but they're legitimately resting guys because of concern. I sort of get that, but I'm with you. The cruise one until we see him play and look okay is a storyline. It's a storyline. And it's like, 
yes, you have to rest him, but you can't have you can't just put him in the lineup on Tuesday when he hasn't had any at bats, right? Like his timing. I mean, I I get it. It's Dilson Cruz. He's a professional hitter. He doesn't need as many as many at bats maybe to get ready as somebody else. But like, like so no. Um, but you know, ideally, he's going to have some at bats here in this final series. You know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want him to not have played for a week and a half and then just put him in the lineup. Um, Although he's been through that before, if you remember back in I think it was 2011, he got when he got popped for for PEDs, and the rule back then was still you could come back for the playoffs, and so he he missed 50 games and then came back for like a one game playoff. They put him right back in the lineup. Texas did. Uh, so you know he's been he's been down that path before. But um, no, I mean he needs if he's not in the lineup against Cincinnati, it's a concern, and it's the same with the rise. Like, and I'm with you on Donaldson, obviously, but the fact that he played yesterday was a good sign. Um, yes. But I don't know what they're going to do with the rise, you know, because he's had this knee thing, and now he's he that he uh, twisted his his ankle. What was um, he doing in in St. Paul? Did did I read he was working rundown. on rundowns? Why why are you working on rundowns when you've? I mean, this guy's had a bad knee since July, which they've known about. Why is he working on rundowns? My guess is he was just playing in a game, you know, a simulated game, and he maybe. <sighs> but but yeah, not it's not ideal. But they, you know, we forget about a rise because he's been injured most of the year, but. He's such a unique hitter when he's on, and he can work pitch counts, run up pitch counts for the starter. Absolutely. Um, his defense is limited. He has to hit. He just he has to hit, or he's not valuable. But I want him in there over Marwin Gonzalez. You know, as good as as good as Marwin's been in terms of filling in, like like we were just talking about, the numbers aren't there. So getting him back is big. But it's just, it's so funny how it's worked out. It's the exact same thing as last year, where he was hobbled on that ankle and he played and, and it cost you know, him. And it cost him. He played well offensively, but yeah, he didn't make defensive plays um, because he was hobbled and it cost him. Uh, And so we could see a repeat of that. So, so all those things are, are concerning. What, where are you at in terms of Jeffers versus Garver? Because Jeffers has now had a a good couple of games here. Garver hit a home run as well. Uh, I'm really torn on this. I I really am. Who's the better defensive catcher? Uh, Jeffers to me. Because Garver lets a lot of pass balls by, um, and he let, and there are a lot of balls that are ruled wild pitches that he doesn't. I don't think he's good at blocking balls. Essentially, okay. Uh, I, I view Jeffers as the better defensive catcher. Then I go with Jeffers. Yeah. Then I, 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 my priority here is is to give myself the best chance defensively, um, and I'm guessing that the way things are going, Jake, they're going to carry three catchers into round one, right? Avila. Um, Jeffers and Garver. I don't think so. I'm guessing. No, no. So they'll take, I think Avila off the roster. I think it's a wasted roster spot. Okay. Um, if you consider Jeffers to be the better defensive uh, catcher, and I think it's pretty close. Jeffers to me has been a surprise. Like he is, he is far better defensively and and at tricking umpires with his pitch framing than I expected. But if you think uh, Jeffers is the better defensive catcher, then I start him. And, And look, Garver has, had a miserable year there's no I don't think there's any way that Garver can come to you and say you know what I'm really hurt by this how could you not he, it's been a it's been a terrible year I know it's short but he's been hurt and when he's not not hurt he's got I think two home runs and besides that he just strikes out continually so I think this has to be a decision made based on what you're seeing right now not based on longevity here or do you like Garver more because he's a veteran guy so if that's the option that I'm getting, I'm probably going to start Jeffers. And has Jeffers uh, – Jeffers has caught might of late, correct? 
He caught yes. him last night. Yeah, I think he's caught him. So, yes. So, my game one catcher, Jefferson. I agree. I'm fine with that. I agree, but I, I, would, I would start Jeffers too. But this gets back to your point about are the twins willing to hurt feelings? Because I know you said that Garver couldn't argue that, but I think Garver would be upset. You know, he, he was the number one guy going into the year. He, he rehabbed to get back. He's healthy. I think he expects to be in there. Um, and so this, get, this really gets at this issue is are they willing to hurt feelings? You know, and yeah. I, I don't know that we have the answer. There, and that's weird because there are times where they're not, and I'm really surprised. And then there are times where they'll do something sort of odd, and you're like, wow, the Twins did this or that. Um, I think in this case, look, you've lost 16 consecutive playoff games. You've lost 13 consecutive to the Yankees. I think we are at the point now where if you don't have the gumption to make decisions that are not going to be popular, there's a problem. And so – and it's a catcher spot. It's, it's important, but it, and it, it's not like you're going to bench Johnny Bench here, though. You know, last year Garver was off the charts. Unbelievable. Um, but to me, if you just flat out sit down and say, who's the better defensively? And also, if, if uh, Jeffers has caught Maeda more of late and Kenta's going fantastic, I think he has to start. Oh, and two, here's, here's a point that I brought up with Phil as well today. Can we talk about, so for how long have executives, and especially from the Twins, in this town been afraid to trade prospects, right? And like, I can't trade that prospect. He's a top. Okay, let's talk about the Maeda trade, and let's applaud the Twins on this. So that deal is done in the Betts trade, and it's a three-way trade that sends Kenta here and Gratterall to Boston. It fa- falls apart because what, Bruzdar didn't pass the physical or there was concern about him. I don't know why. And it, that does not matter at this point. Long story short, though, Falvey basically says, no, this trade is going to get done and then cuts the trade with Gratterall going to the Dodgers. If Kenta Maeda is not here, and, and I get it's a weird year at 60 games, so th- there's, there's lots of strange things. But if Kenta Maeda is not here, this team, I think, makes the playoffs. But our confidence right now, I think, is at best incredibly shaky, right? Yeah. So, so when people come back and, and be like, well, Gratterall, I mean, look how hard Gratterall throws. And you developed a pitcher and you trade. This is why you trade prospects. That trade right now looks like a fantastic trade. And I don't know if Maeda's future is long-term ace. But I don't think that there's any debate that in 2020, in a shortened year, Kenta Maeda has been the Twins' number one ace pitcher. And again, last night, for the most part, he was fantastic. I mean, that <laughs> he's a top five Cy Young guy. You know, I mean, that, that trade could not top have been. Top, top three Cy Young? So you've got, uh, you've got Bieber. Um, he might be. He might be because he'll probably finish ahead of Garrett Cole. Uh, yeah, because Garrett Cole has not had a great year. No, he'll finish ahead of Giolito. Uh, he should finish ahead of the Rays guys because all of those starters have been solid but not spectacular. I'm trying yep. to think if I'm missing anybody. Oakland's yeah. got a kid, but I think he—I think he's top three. I think he's top three. So you know, you got you got one of the best pitchers in the league this year. I'm with you completely. It was a fantastic trade, and you know, I—I've been on this bandwagon for a long time, as you know. I mean, we've talked about this. I—I I think part of the reason you stock a farm system 
is to trade some of them when you're really good uh, for, for guys that can help now. I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious logic there. And uh, I've been a little disappointed at, at their lack of, of willingness to do that other than the, the Maeda trade. Um, you know, I just not getting a starter last year at the deadline and we've beaten that to death, but like it was a huge mistake and they had the prospect capital to do it. Uh, I thought they should have made a trade this year. Just get a bullpen arm, something uh, for, for one of these guys. And um, I, I think that's another weak spot for them is they're great at developing these prospects, but maybe they fall in love with them a little too much and, and don't want to give them up. Um, and I think you see the same thing with guys they trade for. Uh, like they give guys they trade for a lot m- m- much more opportunities than maybe they should. Like Devin Smeltzer, they traded for him and he's gotten a lot of innings. Uh, you know, they traded for Chase DeYoung uh, two years ago, and they kept him on the 40-man over Nick Anderson, Nick, who's, who's maybe the best reliever in baseball yeah. this year, certainly top five. Uh, they, they kept Chase DeYoung on the 40-man over Nick Anderson. And it's like, I, I think that they, they trade for these guys and then feel like they, ha- they need that validation that the trade was uh, successful and they give them maybe more opportunities than they should. Um, maybe they're changing a little bit on that because they, they traded for Zach Littell and just DFA'd him, you know, he, he, uh, which was really weird and surprising. But um, so, yeah, I think they trust themselves, they're confident, and they should be uh, in developing prospects, but they got it. I think they got to give some of them up to, to, to go for it. I mean, this trade was just, this, this trade was a perfect timing trade. Yeah. And, and it, it basically drives home to me the point that, if you don't have Maeda, you know, and it's Barrios and then Jake got hurt and has been hurt basically all year. Like I, I think that, that you're still a playoff team, but I, I think our confidence going into the first round is incredibly shaky. And now I think it's pretty strong. And so, yeah, I just, I think it proves the point that there are times uh, to be aggressive in giving up prospects that you like and that people like. Um, but Clearly, they got a guy who completely gets it and goes out there and just gives you solid starts. Like, he just does. He gives you incredibly solid professional starts. And I don't know across the board that we could say that for the Twins consistently in recent years. Like, you'd get some good starts and you get some – but I just – I love Maeda's approach. I love how he works, guys. I love how he seems to have a philosophy and get it. Um, and, and so I – I hope, if nothing else, this opens up Falvey and the Twins' eyes to the fact that, you know what, I'm not suggesting they trade prospects consistently, but there are definitely times to do it, and this was a perfect time to strike. And and I think the Twins actually have a pretty good hope in these playoffs, largely because of that trade. So that's my final thought. No no question about it. All right, we are done. We we will certainly be back uh, next week as the playoffs start to uh, preview the Twins series against the yet-to-be-determined foe at Target Field. We'll be back at least a couple times, if not more, on the podcast. Appreciate you listening, as always, Score North Twins podcast. I am Judd. He's Jake. We will talk to you later. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.